Okay, so let me tell you just a little bit about who I am and why I work um, here at Watermark. So I've been at Watermark, I think, about nine years now. Um, part of my story is I came to Watermark um, to go through our divorce care ministry. So I was separated for about five or six years, long story, married for about 20 years to my husband, now ex-husband Brian, but came here to go through divorce care. Um, but in the middle of divorce care, realized that I was still married, not divorced, and I had an opportunity to reconcile with my husband. And so I always say I kind of hightailed it out of divorce care and tried to reconcile with my husband for several years, which in the end, it takes two to reconcile. So my husband did choose to finalize divorce, but I've been divorced now for about two and a half years. Um, in the midst of that, um, when, we had, when we have two kids, um, one of, our son is 16 and a half, um, my daughter is 14 and a half, and my son was about five, he was diagnosed with high-functioning autism, um, kind of like y'all think of Asperger's as kind of the diagnosis. So that was part of our, you can call it a crisis, but that was one of the turning points in our life when things got difficult in our marriage, which is part of our story. But through um, having kids with differences, my daughter also has some learning disabilities. She has dyslexia, some attention issues, some math differences, and just has a lot of learning challenges. And so um, the Lord just gave me these specific circumstances with my kids and ended up getting to work um, for a national level nonprofit doing advocacy work for people with disabilities. And in the midst of all that, God called me into ministry. He called me to start um, studying at Dallas Theological Seminary where I'm taking classes. And then I got this position here at Watermark. So God definitely had a plan in the way he not only brought my husband and I together, but the way that he chose to design our children and then to make that part of my story, to teach me how to love them, advocate for them. Also, eventually, teach me what the Bible said about them. I was not clinging to the Lord when my kids had these different challenges, which is part of my story. Um, but now I'm in a situation where I've really learned to trust the Lord to be the advocate for my kids and to really um, hopefully get the chance to educate others about um, differences, which is part of what we're doing. So, but that's what I do here at Watermark is I get to lead Kaleidoscope, which is our, it's our um, special needs, we call it special and additional needs ministry. We're kind of adding this additional needs to it. Um, to kind of define that for you. So special needs we kind of think of for kids that have maybe um, Down syndrome, maybe an intellectual disability, speech communication challenge. Some of the kids have autism, um, kind of a big spectrum. A lot, of, a lot of our kids have genetic differences that affect their cognitive processing um, behavior and things like that. And then kind of in the additional needs category, we have kids that have maybe just behavioral issues that are tied to attention stuff, um, kids that have more high-functioning autism, uh, kiddos that maybe have had trauma in their background. So we have some crossover with our foster and adoption care ministry as well. So kids that just have stuff going on that's outside the box that don't necessarily have like a diagnosis or an identification of special needs. So that's why we call it special and additional needs. So we can kind of care for all those kids that have something going on that's different that they need that extra support at church. So we provide that through Kaleidoscope. Um, we serve kids right now ages 2 to 22. Um, praying about being able to also hopefully serve adults in the future because we do have adults in our body, obviously older than 22. And as our kids grow up, they're going to be older than 22 eventually too, but how can we serve them and incorporate them into our body? So that's just kind of an overview my background, what we do with Kaleidoscope, and then Mandy Tucker is here. Mandy leads our Kaleidoscope ministry at our Plano campus. So I wanted to just point her out. So I think all of you guys are probably Dallas, but just know we do have Kaleidoscope at Plano and also Frisco. So we are, it's little up there, it's pretty big here at Dallas, but it's really cool to see how the Lord is 
continually providing for us to prepare um, our kids to we'll serve our kids, equip our kids here, um, and also prepare our body to love them well through their whole kind of lifespan. So, okay, so that's background on Kaleidoscope. Um, so just want to kind of start with, I wanted to make sure y'all knew what we meant when we were talking about special and additional needs for sure. But I also want to just tell y'all a little bit, so we just got finished talking with Chrissy, which was amazing, about crisis. And so I do want to kind of just set the stage and reset it just a little bit. Um, we do have parents here whose kids have differences. My kids have differences. And I think different people would describe um, the way that they either found out that their children have a diagnosis or they um, discovered it maybe over a series of years. I'm not sure that I would always categorize what we're talking about in the category of crisis. I think sometimes when, let's say, you are pregnant and you find out that your child has Down syndrome when you're pregnant, I think that could be like that crisis moment that you're like, okay, I know something's happening. Um, but a lot of times it's different with kids with special needs. Um, you may notice that things are different when they're born, or you may have um, some testing ahead of time that you know. But a lot of times parents don't know that something's going on with their kids until they're two, three, four, five years old even. And so it's really more of this process of I would call it at the beginning of just like confusion, um, uh, definitely expectations aren't being met, like as your kids maybe isn't crawling as fast as another kiddo, or maybe your kiddo isn't eating properly, or maybe they're not growing and you don't know why, things like that. Um, or maybe in cases of kids that may be born blind or um, with hearing deficits, that's, that's maybe something you know more right off the bat. But even then, sometimes it's just this progression of not knowing um, and then eventually hopefully getting an answer, a diagnosis. And then that could be kind of like that you know, crisis moment we're talking about, but it doesn't stop there. So once you have know something's going on with your child, it's an ongoing, in most cases, lifelong um, challenge or difference that the Lord has chosen to give you. And so I just want to kind of set the stage, and if, any, if I'm saying any of that wrong, I'm seeing nodding and not shaking. So, but it's definitely um, one of the ways we often talk about this issue in family ministry, and Kaleidoscope is part of our family um, ministry, I should mention, family and children's ministry, um, is that parents are just continually going through a grief cycle. Um, I've talked to a lot of parents whose kids are older, like in their 1920, 19, and it's like, for instance, when your child isn't going to graduate um, from, from kindergarten. Let's say everybody else is graduating from kindergarten. Well, hopefully your child is, because um, we do inclusion. Um, I'll talk about that a little bit more. But just like when you aren't hitting milestones, so it's like everyone else is graduating from kindergarten. Maybe your child is too, but they're going to be reading, and your child maybe isn't reading yet. And then maybe all the other kids are turning 16, and they're getting your, their driver's license. And maybe your child has an intellectual disability or a physical disability, and they can't get their license. So it's kind of like that. And then people are you know, graduating from high school, going to college, getting married. And so it's just this continual... You um, reach a point of, I think, acceptance, but then it's just a continual grief each time you hit, hit that new milestone and see other kids that are in your community, friends that are kind of, you know, um, going to those milestones and then getting past them and going to the next one. So just something for y'all to kind of think about is I think this falls into that category a little bit, bit more of chronic care, grief, um, and then also just want to talk about the great things about kids with differences too. So I want to, like, make sure we are not leaving that out. So... One of the reasons I wanted Gabby to be here today, um, and I can tell you my own story as well, is that God, and we're going to talk about this now, but God um, has created people with disabilities and differences for a really specific reason. And it's hard to understand, but the Bible tells us it's because he wants to see his glory manifested through them. And so we're going to start there. Um, so let's go ahead and open up our Bibles. Y'all have your little outline. Um, let's go ahead and go to Isaiah um, 61. 
1 to 2. So I just want to start by telling you that Jesus began his ministry by including and ministering to the blind, the marginalized, and the oppressed. And this, is, this may be a little bit different than the way that you've thought of this before, but that's kind of one of the things I want to do is kind of help paint the picture. Throughout the Bible, Jesus talks um, in the Old Testament and in New Testament, Jesus and others talk about the blind, the marginalized. We often think of um, the blind as being symbolic for people that whose eyes are darkened with sin, which is definitely the case. It's a, it's a, it's a literary mechanism to make us see that once people um, come to the light and they can see, oh, you know, they, they can see um, basically salvation through Jesus Christ, their eyes are open and they can see. So that's often used throughout the Bible. But also, before we can focus on the fact that it's um, figurative, Jesus is also, I believe, talking about literally, literally people that are blind. So I think anytime we're thinking about like um, something that's symbolic, it's important not to leave out the physical, literal example of what that is, which is blindness, which is a disability. So we're going to kind of start there. Um, so when Jesus began his ministry, it's in Luke um, chapter 4, but he, the first thing he does, I'm going to read to you from Luke chapter 4, but I want you guys to look at your Bibles in Isaiah. So this is what Jesus says. So he has um, returned to Nazareth, which is where he grew up, and he's gone to the temple, um, and he's teaching, or getting ready to start teaching. Um, and so I'm going to start in Luke 4, 16. Okay. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and he, it was his, as, his, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, scroll and found the place where it was written, and this is what he said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed." And so what he's doing here, or then it says, and he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And it said the eyes of the people of the synagogue were all fixed on him. And so what he basically did, I, I just think this is such a cool thing he does. He basically opens up the scroll. He reads, tells them, like, this is what I'm here to do. This is my mission. And he's quoting from Isaiah 61, which is what the um, prophets and the prophecy was that there's going to be this Messiah that's going to come. And Jesus is like... I'm ready to go. We're starting. He opens up. He reads. He reads from this scroll, and he mentions the poor, the captives, and the blind and the oppressed right off the bat. He sets on this scroll. He basically drops the mic and is like, and now we're going to go. Like, he's, that's what he's saying. Like, this is what I'm going to do. Like, there's no confusion about it. And I think it's important in the context of talking about special needs and differences that he includes people with differences right off the bat. It's not like we're going to go out and share the gospel with even the Gentiles, because that's on his agenda. He doesn't start by saying the Gentiles. He doesn't start by saying the Jews. He starts by talking about everybody. He's including everybody. And so I just want to make sure that we, that we don't miss that. Um, and so the next thing I want to mention is that Jesus explains exactly why God allows people to have differences and disabilities. And this is in John 9, chapter 1 to 3. A lot of these are probably passages that you guys have heard lots of times. So if you open up to chapter 9 in John, it says, As Jesus passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. I'm sorry. As he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man, his parents, or his man, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or that his parents sinned, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. 
And so this is just to kind of like right off the bat answer the question. There's a lot of misunderstanding, not only in Christian circles, but in secular circles about why disabilities exist. But even back in the day, obviously in the New Testament times, people assumed or thought that people that had differences, blindness, deafness, crippled, or crippled, lame, those are the terms the Bible uses. Nowadays we would say that a little bit differently, but um, have physical disabilities, physical limitations. But they thought that it was based on something, someone that had sinned. The parents had sinned, something that had happened, they were seeing it as this punishment, um, this consequence, if you will. And Jesus is very quick to say, that's not what this is. And I think this is really hard for us to wrap our brains around it just because of the way society does kind of embrace or not always embrace people with differences. We don't see them necessarily at the forefront. We don't see them necessarily um, valued maybe the way that we could. And so it's easy to understand why there would be confusion there. But Jesus is saying that it's not because of sin. It's because of I want my glory, my Father's glory, to be seen through them. Now, he doesn't say exactly what that means. And I've studied the Bible quite a bit. I'm still studying it a lot. I haven't found any place in the Bible that says specifically what that means. But I think we can come up with a few examples. So I want to give you all a couple of examples. Um, Oh, and I want to say one other thing. Jesus also isn't saying, just to be clear. So we know that this is a broken world. We know that when Adam and Eve were in the garden and chose to sin, that we went from a perfect society to brokenness, right? So I'm not saying that disabilities aren't part of that brokenness. They are. The fact that we have, you know, kids with autism, kids with differences, it's definitely because we're living in a broken society, a broken world, but it's, he's saying that it's not due to that sin, that brokenness, that this is occurring. Just want to be clear on that. Um, And so here are a couple of examples of how I've seen God's glory manifested through our children and students with differences here at Watermark. So I always tell the story of Blake. Blake, he's 19 years old. He's in our special needs um, ministry. It's called our Scope Students Ministry. That's the ministry where we serve students up to age 22, 12 to 22. Blake is 19, and one Sunday I was teaching the kiddos um, using the Bible timeline. I was pointing to, do you all know the Bible timeline that we use in children's ministry? Okay, there's a big red cross. It's teaching the kids the meta-narrative of the Bible, like that Jesus, the story of Jesus runs all the way through, all 66 books. And so I'm pointing to the red cross that's in the gospel era, and I'm talking about Jesus and how he died. So I'm pointing to the cross, and Blake is sitting right there. And Blake has a pretty severe speech impediment. Um, he can speak, but it's just, he, it's kind of like a stutter. It's really hard for him to get words out. Um, and so I'm pointing to the cross, and I said, does anybody know why the cross is red? You know, like, why is it red? I'm using my teacher voice. Why is it red? boys and girls, and Blake says, it's the, it's that, and I can't do it, but he says, it's the blood, the blood, and then I'm like, well, yes, it is, like, I was like, oh, my goodness, and then I was like, what does that mean, and he's like, he died, he died, and then he just starts preaching the gospel, I mean, like, in the, you know, in these broken words, and I, you know, asking, well, what does that mean, he died for our sins, so Blake's mom um, is a believer. His sister is a believer. He's a twin. His sister is a twin. She serves in our ministry with our siblings. Um, and his mom taught him the gospel growing up. And I'm sure we taught him that here at Watermark as well um, when he was in different classrooms. But it just loved that story because that is God's glory being manifested in Blake. Now, I can't necessarily sit down with Blake and have a conversation with him where I understand for a sure, you know, on a scale of one to ten, do you understand that that may not be something I'm ever I'm going to be able to do with Blake, but Blake understands the basic message of the gospel, and him knowing that, 
I believe, is seeing God's glory manifest in him because we took the time to teach it to him. We didn't just assume that Blake couldn't learn or understand the gospel. Someone valued him and took the time to teach that to him. And he preached it that day. And other kids in that room, we had a visitor that day um, who hadn't been there before. He got to hear the gospel, and not just out of the mouth of a teacher, but out of the mouth of a peer who also had an intellectual disability. So that's, to me, like, it's like I dropped the mic. Okay, that's clearly God's glory. Um, and then also we ha- um, showed a video recently um, to our team. We have 100, 100 uh, leaders on our Kaleidoscope team that serve on Sunday morning. So we have 100 families, 115, 20 families across all four campuses. But that takes a team of 100 volunteers here just at Dallas to serve those kids every week on Sunday. So it's a 100-volunteer team. We also have another 150-volunteer team that leads at our respite night, our recess night, which is once a month. Um, so we have to train all these people so they know how to serve our kids. Yes, it's tonight. Recess is tonight in this very room. Um, so we showed a video at our training recently. Um, one of our coaches who serves on the team, we have coaches that have backgrounds in um, occupational therapy and behavioral therapy and all these awesome special ed teachers. And she sent me this video. She's like, I think we need to use this in our training. But the whole video is basically adults with disabilities that have mostly autism, intellectual disability. They're able to articulate um, some of their challenges. And it's basically this video of them talking about what it's like now that they're adults. And some of them have jobs and some of them are married. And it's just kind of like, hey, here's like the end result of what we're working towards as a society. Um, But one of the parts of the video is a young man that has autism, and he's completely nonverbal. But he uses um, an assistive technology like an iPad. And all he does is his mom's sitting there with him, and he points to letters. It's the alphabet. And as he points to the letters, his mom fills in what he's saying, which is so cool to see. They have this whole language. There's all sorts of technology that kids can learn to use that does that, but even speaks for them. But anyway, so at the end of this video, he's been talking about how he says having a difference or disability and having autism, it's both both a blessing and a curse. Like he's articulating this through this thing, his mom's being his voice. And she asked him a question, the interviewer, and it says something like, well, what do you think about? What do you think about whenever, you know, it's quiet and you're not speaking? He said, well, he said, well, I mostly think about God. And you're like, oh my goodness. Like, so again, it's like this young man whose mom has cared for him his whole life. He's in his 20s. He's nonverbal. He's been taught the gospel. He's been taught to trust the Lord. Maybe we don't, he didn't articulate the gospel, but he knows to trust God. But like we would never know that that's what he's thinking about God, y'all. Like that's the question was like, what are you like focusing on like most of the time? God. So, I mean, that's again, that's God's glory. Just being manifested through that young man being able to articulate. I depend on the Lord, even though this is a blessing and a curse and I'm different and I don't always like it. But there's great things about it, too, because he's talking about how the, he created the software or something. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, so I just wanted to point those out as two examples. If we just don't really often talk about that, but I think that's what Jesus is talking about here. And I think there's lots of other ways that we can talk about that more. Um, so I'm just going to quickly go through the last two. <laughs> Look at my little schedule. Okay, we're doing okay. Um, so... Yeah, so Jesus includes, I'm sorry, the last one. Jesus includes people with disabilities in his ministry. This is kind of the same as the beginning, but this is more like how he's actually doing it. So there's two examples here. One is in Luke 14, and I won't read it, but this is just when Jesus is saying um, to his followers, like, when you have a banquet or a party, don't invite your friends. Don't invite the cool kids. Don't invite the people in your neighborhood and your schools. Go out and invite the blind, the lame, the crippled invite them. Why? He says, because they cannot repay you. Like in so many situations, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure some later, people that have kids with differences, like they're really strapped for cash, y'all. It's expensive. You have um, therapies 
extra babysitting costs. I'm saying, yeah, I mean, like, there's just challenges that come with that. And so I think that that falls into that. But we're also talking about just the, you know, just the marginalized, the poor, the media as well. Um, but he's saying, invite them. Why? Because they can't repay you. Like, you invite someone to a party kind of hoping they're going to invite you back to theirs, right? Like, you know, they're saying, invite that child to your child's birthday party. Even if they don't maybe have a birthday party, maybe that child can't, you know, maybe they can't afford it. But, like, invite them. And so Jesus includes them in his ministry. He doesn't want them to be left out. And then finally, this is my favorite example. Um, so in Matthew 19, 14, this is a verse we hear a lot. It's the one where Jesus is teaching, and the, the children are coming around him. And, and back then, I was doing a little study about this last night. And um, the reason that the children were wanting, the parents were wanting their children to come too, but they were wanting to come to Jesus because he, was, he wanted them to lay his hands on them and bless them. And blessings, as, as you know, if you've read the Old Testament and the New as well, um, is there's a lot of stock put in blessings. Like it was a big deal to be blessed, especially by the Messiah. Um, and so they were wanting to, the little children to come, but the, the people that were letting Jesus speak and kind of like his bouncers were saying like, you know, oh no, like we don't want the children to come right now. And Jesus says, no, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. And so I always like to say to um, put this in the context of kids with disabilities. So we're talking about little children, but we're also talking about children that have differences, right? So a lot of times when I bring this up, people then see that word hindrances. I don't know what your Bible says, but mine says hindrances. They see the hindrances as saying, oh yeah, that's right, they're blind, or they're intellectually disabled, or they can't talk. So that means that's the hindrance. That's going to keep them from being able to know Jesus. And so because of that, you know, we need to give them, like, their own space and kind of make sure that they're being taken care of so others can learn. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. If you look at it carefully, it's saying the hindrances, do not hinder them, is the people. The people that knew Christ, that believed him, the believers, the followers, they were the ones that didn't understand. They were keeping the children from coming to Jesus. And so the question is, how are we as believers putting up hindrances for people with differences? Are we not understanding the accommodations that they need? Gabby's going to talk about that some. They need an ASL interpreter, maybe. Are we um, not including them in our classrooms? Are we not um, allowing them to be part of our society because we're not inviting them to our kids' birthday parties? Or we're not letting, making sure that they're getting... Um, you know, into like high school ministries or whatever it may be. So like, what are we doing as a society? And again, not, I want to be clear, not out of um, a, a poor or an unright heart, just out of ignorance. I'm just not knowing. How are we putting up hindrances to kids with differences and adults as well? So that's kind of what, how I read that. Again, maybe not the way y'all have before, but um, so that's also part of what I just want us to focus on. So that's just kind of the overview of what the Bible says. I also, there's a whole nother um, focus within the disability community that really gets into talking about suffering, and I'm not going to get into that, but as much today, I really kind of want to focus on some of the positives and also around how we can engage and serve others with, with kids with differences. But if you're interested, there's all sorts of great books and studies that specifically go into the theology of suffering, and a lot of the work that's been done and study that's been done on Christian and thought around this is related, like Johnny Erickson Tata is a great example, is related to, yes, there is suffering um, involved in this, and the kids themselves are often suffering and pain. They have chronic illness and different things like that, adults as well. Um, and so I just encourage you, if you're interested, we can talk about that more, or I can point you to some resources. Um, but that's a whole nother kind of study to go into to understand what the Lord's purpose is in that. But at the end of the day, what I'm learning in our Second Corinthians Bible study right now, in women's Bible study, is that even suffering 
is for God's glory. It's so that we can comfort others. It's so that we can be um, refined by fire, so that we can be sanctified. And ultimately, it's so that when we get to heaven and we are judged um, for our good works, that we get the opportunity to be rewarded um, through um, clinging to the Lord through suffering. And finally, best part, we get to then take those rewards or crowns that we get, and we get to lay them right back at Jesus' feet and worship him. And so even the suffering that we're going through, it's all for God's glory. So just to point that out, we're not going to go into that too much today. So I just want to kind of set the stage up for our panel next. And so I want to talk about the second part, how can we love and serve um, moms and families of children with special and additional needs? We've already kind of defined that. And I I will often also use the word differences because it's just Sometimes it's easier to describe it that way. Someone who's just different. They have something different going on. And that's easy to say a kiddo that maybe has a behavioral issue, that comes from a foster care background, it has trauma. They have a difference. They can't, they're screaming in the middle of our Sunday school time and a hundred other kids are like, what's going on? So that's something different. And then we also have people who need to use Braille to read because they have a difference. So that's just something I'll often use. It's just kind of an easy way to talk about anything that's going on that's different. Um, so let's just go through these four um, ideas here, and then our panel is going to really help unpack these as well. So the first one is, what, how do we love people who have differences going on with themselves, with their children, and their family? So the first one is engage with them. And I'm just going to kind of throw a couple of thought bites out there for you all to think about. But so how do you start up a conversation that's kind and loving and appropriate? Like, what questions do you ask? We're going to talk about that some in the panel Um, But one thing I would suggest on that is just, um, and one of the reasons you're here is because you want to be educated, which is awesome, is one thing that's really good for you to know just across the disability and differences community is something called people first language. So when you're talking about someone that has a difference, you don't say that Down syndrome child, you say that child with Down syndrome, or you might even say that child that has a communication difference, or learns differently. You don't even necessarily have to include the label. Our society tends to be like, that's a special needs child or a special needs family. It's actually disrespectful to the individual to label them at the front. It'd be like me saying to Gabby, she's my deaf friend. I don't say that about you. (laughs) I hope that doesn't hurt for me to even say that, but like, think about how that would hurt her for me to kind of think that that's not how I think of Gabby. Gabby is my awesome friend. Um, She also has a hearing difference, and so she's going to tell you about that. But so, but that'd be like someone saying, oh, your autistic son. I don't like that. That makes me feel, I don't even know, maybe y'all can help me think of words, but that just makes me feel misunderstood, I think is the word. But also, like, undervalued. My son has 104 in his organic chemistry class right now. I mean, he's insanely smart. Um, And so, but just like, just it kind of makes me feel like people are going to assume that he can't graduate from high school or maybe assume he can't get married, which I don't know if he will. Um, But like, I want you to think about the things about my child first before you think about the things that are different about them. So that's people first language. So just when you're talking with people, engaging with them, it's good to just kind of think that way. Um, and also, just obviously, this is just biblical, but just be gentle, be kind, be quick to listen, slow to speak, um, in the sense that if you are approaching someone and you want to have a conversation with them, which I encourage you to do, and we're going to talk about that more, just listen a little bit. Listen to the way they maybe talk about their child or maybe observe um, the way that they're engaging with their child and then kind of try to model that back to them. Don't be afraid or nervous. Like, if you mess up, it's okay. There's grace there. But just when you're approaching someone, 
observe first, maybe a little bit. Hear the way, that, again, that they describe what's going on. Um, but then also, don't be afraid to ask questions, too. So don't feel like, oh, I haven't had a chance to observe, but I really want to engage. Just ask them to say, how would you like for me to talk to you about your child that's different? I would love to learn more about what is it, what is, is there a specific name for that diagnosis, whatever it may be, and I'll let the panel talk to you more about how they would like to be approached. But just to think about, um, you, the goal is to engage with them, but just also to think about how to do that with grace and love. Number two is include them. I've talked about this a little bit already, but just, I don't think I can say this more, please invite the kids with differences to your kids' stuff. Include them in play dates, invite them to birthday parties, if you start at the beginning by praying for that family, getting to know them, engaging with them, it, it will be weird if you don't invite them. You know what I'm saying? It's not weird that you invite them. It'd be weird if you don't, because if you know them and you love them and you're spending time with them and understanding more, then you want to include those kids. And so I was telling someone the other day, I came out of the womb. I'm a little sister. My sister always left me out of everything. And I think I'm also an Enneagram 8. I don't know if y'all know that I'm like a maverick idealist, have to fix things. But like, I've always just been like really put off by exclusion. Like, I just don't like it. It's just clicks and things like that. But it's kind of, that's kind of what this is. It's like, how can we just make sure that we're including people around us that are maybe different, maybe have a different background, and this isn't even just related to differences and disabilities, that just have a different color skin than we do or have a different economic background. It's just being like Jesus said at the beginning, just they're part of your ministry, so include them. Um, don't leave them out. Um, and then... Um, Activities. Okay, and then make room for their specific struggles. Like this is another thing I've talked to a little bit about some of our kaleidoscope moms about, and would love to learn more about how this is going. But I know if you're in community with someone, for is anyone here in community with someone who has? Okay, I'm so glad you're here. That's awesome, cool. Um, so I know, and we've talked about this a little with Emmy and some of the other moms. I know that sometimes the parents who are in your community group and their kids have differences. It can be overwhelming. It can be time consuming. There's dialogue about therapy and um, which ARD meeting or advocate to hire and all these different things. That's kind of what I used to do, so I understand that. It can be all-encompassing, but what I would encourage you to do is carve out time. Even if it's like, hey, this month, we really see a lot's going on with this family and this child, and we want to love you and know you. Can we carve out like an extra evening that we're going to sit and we're going to just learn about this? And that's, I mean, that's a huge thing to ask to do that, but we would do it if it was a financial crisis. We would do it if it was adultery. We would do it if it was like, so just maybe take time to carve that out. Study, like have them send you a one pager or point you to a website and like study up on whatever it is their difference is. And that way you feel like you understand it, you're equipped, and then you can kind of like just incorporate that into just your regular time. So it's not constantly ever taking it. And also, if it's the kind of thing where you do feel like, hey, this is, you know, we have a parent support group here at Watermark for moms. Under the Kaleidoscope ministry, we do have a mom support group that meets once a month. And so that's a really good place. Um, Mary Carmen goes to that. It's a great place to go and have a lot of people around you that are in the same situation, and you can kind of, like, download. But I just want to make sure that we're making room for that, like anything else in our, and not being afraid to ask those questions and to learn about that. Um, so just in your community, and then just also... Um, again, just going back to asking them specific questions, and we'll talk more about that. Um, and then the next one is encourage them, number three. Um, and this is something that Chrissy mentioned earlier. I love this. Just So before you can ask someone this question, you have to, one, have engaged with them about their child being different or themselves, and you have to have loved on them a little bit because then the next question is, 
how's your walk with Christ? Like, you can't just meet someone and walk up to them and be like, oh, you have a difference. You know, maybe you're blind or have, you're in a wheelchair. Like, how's your walk with Christ in that? Like, I mean, that's hard. So you want to, like, first start by getting to know them, including them, develop a relationship with them. But then, y'all, sometimes these things challenge our faith. And I can tell you that. So I told you when, I, when my son was diagnosed, I didn't cling to the Lord. My, we were having issues in my marriage anyway, and I wasn't really running with the Lord the way I needed to. But looking back, y'all, it put me in this tailspin of like, well, I've got to fix this. I've got to have all the best therapies and all the best advocacy and all that. And like, I didn't depend on the Lord. I was telling someone the other day, I don't remember praying with my husband one time related to my child's disability. We still haven't to this day. Um, my ex-husband, but, um, so yeah, but just, uh, I can't remember how I got off my train of thought, but just basically, um, how, oh yeah, you can't engage them about their walk with Christ until you know them a little bit, but this can be a stumbling block. I mean, just like any other thing, like infertility, um, grief, losing a child, like Satan really likes to use these crises in our lives. Um, but these crises are also, and this is kind of what all of these different ministries are about, they're also an opportunity. Like we say, conflict is an opportunity around here. This is an opportunity for us to trust the Lord, to grow in the Lord. And so don't miss that. Don't miss that opportunity to ask them, hey, like, I know this is really hard and this is different. And thanks for, I feel like I kind of understand some of what you're going through. Like, how has that challenged your faith? Like, ask him that question. Are you spending time talking with your community about this? Are you isolating? Like, how are you allowing the Lord's glory to be manifested through this situation rather than just see it as something that's just suffering, even though there is suffering? Um, okay, and then the last one is minister to them. And this kind of goes into our recess respite night, which is our – so something I just want to make sure y'all, y'all get, because you may not, is that um, people who have kids with disabilities um, – it's hard. Um, it's, it's exhausting. It's emotionally hard. It's physically hard sometimes. People that have disabilities, it can, there's, it, it's just that there's extra things they have to do. They have to either get there early to get a seat in the front. They have to make sure that there's going to be an interpreter there. They need to make sure that there's a wheelchair access, like ramp, which nowadays there usually is. But just like if you think of all the extra, if your child has something different, like they need a buddy to be with them on Sunday morning. It's an extra layer. There's just a lot of extra. And also, you're taking care of a child that maybe can't communicate or maybe is in diapers when they're 14 years old or maybe has a feeding tube or maybe just there's just so many different things. And so it's tiring. It's hard. And so people that have these challenges just traditionally throughout just culture is that they they require respite. They need help. They need rest. Um, And so one of the things that we talk about just in general – related to special needs ministry is how we're providing respite and care for people with differences, um, with kids with differences. And so we do provide um, once a month recesses our respite night. You have to be enrolled in the Kaleidoscope ministry and be not a member, but be attending regularly. And then you kind of get like the golden ticket into recess if you're um, a regular attender, which is awesome. But we basically just let the parents go out for four hours and have a date or sleep in their car. We had a lady one time literally drop off her kid, had never had respite before, and she took a four-hour nap in her car. Like, I wasn't, I mean, I get, like, it's crazy. But she was like, I rested. We have one lady, um, one mom who's a single parent, and she does Uber delivery driving during respite night so she can make extra money. So she doesn't have to have him in the car with her, which, I mean, that one's hard. So we know when she comes in, a lot of times she's going off to work, and then she comes back. But that's, that's respite to her because she can listen. She's like, oh, I can listen to the kind of music I want to. Like, I was like, wow. So, I mean, just to help y'all. Like, um, but anyway, respite's a big deal. So as you're thinking about how to serve others, just be thinking about 
how can you um, uh, provide respite? How can you care for them? Okay, so I'm going to stop there and go ahead and bring our panel up. Um, so Natalie, are you good with Gideon? Okay, so Natalie Cole is going to come up, Emily Lou Allen, and then Gabby Duke. And Gabby, I'm going to have you sit here just to make it a little easier. All right. Y'all get, yeah, that's, the stools aren't the most stable thing in the world, so just be aware. Okay, so I just have some um, questions. I'm just going to ask the panel, and we'll just see how where the conversation goes. But it's basically just asking them to unpack what we just talked about a little bit. So there's two mics, and I've got this one. So and um, we'll just kind of, there's no rhyme or reason to it. So, um, But let's see. Let's start with this one. So um, what do you want people to know about either you or your child? And you can just start by just telling us a little bit about just who you are and what's going on that's different in your life. You want to start, Gabby? I can start. Okay. So my name is Gabby, and um, I am deaf, and I have a cochlear implant. So that gives me the ability to hear Lynn when she speaks and also to have uh, conversations with anybody that is hearing. So um, when I take it off, I hear absolutely nothing, 100% deaf, which is a blessing and also a curse. So whenever we had a newborn, my husband was the one that had to go get the babies. Like, that was great, because I wouldn't hear anything. Um, but it also brings a lot of challenges, too. Like, if I'm in the car and my son is trying to get my attention and he gets frustrated because I don't hear him, but I'm like, unbeknownst to me, I don't know that he's necessarily trying to get my attention. So that is hard. Um, but yes, so some things I would love for people to know is that I think sometimes people with deafness, they'll, they'll lump it into like, oh, you're deaf, like you can't do things like maybe someone with like a, a severe special need like can't do. And so something that I wish people knew was just that, hey, like, yes, you're right. I don't have the ability to hear sometimes. Um, but like I can still raise my kids. Like I can still cook, clean, go to the grocery store. And like if I don't have my implant on, like, I can communicate, like I can sign, we can write things down. Um, if you have your phone, you can text it, you can show it to me. Like there's not this 100% barrier to where I can't function and can't communicate with you. And I think that sometimes um, people get nervous about um, coming up to someone they don't know because it's, it's different. So whether it's me approaching someone in a wheelchair because I don't know what that li that's like, it's overcoming that initial like, oh, like I don't know what that is. But just like Lynn said, like just jumping out anyways and just asking like questions and taking that leap of faith of like hey like I don't know that but I'm willing to learn um so that's something that I wish a lot of people knew about people with deafness because they are they're a largely isolated group of people um and one of them is because of that barrier but the great thing about American Sign Language is it's based on English so that does give you the ability to communicate with them in written word um which is really awesome and I'll just say a quick plug for our deaf outreach team. We do offer American Sign Language classes, which Mary Carmen, her family, have taken advantage of. Mary Carmen has a, she's emotional. She has a child with disabilities in our, or differences in our ministry, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we do offer ASL classes if y'all are interested, and it's a really neat way to be able to reach out and get to know those in your community that have a different hearing challenge. Thank you. Um, I am Emmy Lou Allen, and um, my youngest, Kelsey, we have three kids. Our youngest, Kelsey, has a rare genetic disorder that has um, that is linked with seizures and autism and intellectual disability and, oh, I don't know, the diagnosis is stack up. But um, so I think one, the, the, back to the question is what do I want people to know about me or, you know, maybe I'm taking this a step farther where how, what I want people to approach us or, mm -hmm. cause I mean, I think after a few minutes 
being in the same room with Kelsey, you realize like something is different. She's genetically way cuter than any of your children. But um, really serious. She really no. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's her genetic. It's the extra chromosome. It makes her super cute. But um, she. Um, but I would like first to start with a name, like just like I introduced myself. So I think the first thing to start is like, what's your daughter's name? Or um, or call them by name when she was talking about you know people first kind of talking is like use their name you know I think that's really big for us I don't know if any of y'all have been to the pediatricians and that nurse keeps calling you mama hey mom hey mom I'm like stop calling me mom I have a name it's like literally on the chart it's so my big thing I corrected somebody on the phone the other day I was like Emmy Lou (laughs) Um, it's probably right in front of your face if not you don't even need the mom like you can just skip the mom but you know I think to use to call them by their name I think is really important and then I think just a big open-ended question I don't think it has to be so specific I think it'd be like tell me about Kelsey and I'm going to share whatever I feel like sharing at the moment and I'm going to start with something really high level and then you can keep going and keep digging and if somebody seems interested I mean I could talk about her all day long so that I think just to approach really open-ended and then see where it kind of goes there may be days where I'm like I don't really want to unpack this today (laughs) and I might not unpack that but I think it starts that conversation and so I think just an open open ended question is the way to start especially with somebody you don't already know that's great thank you hi I'm Natalie um so I have a five-year-old a three-year-old and a four-week-old um Hudson is five he's my oldest and he's um my child with a disability he has Angelman syndrome um it's gonna affect intellectual developmental movement a lot of kids don't walk a lot of them have seizures um but and he's theoretically nonverbal, even though he uh vocalizes um but he he uses all forms of communication including a device signing gesturing just non-traditional stuff um so i would say at home we can understand him a whole lot more than anyone else but um we also have where he maybe doesn't look like he has a disability and so people will start to talk to him and so then I immediately am like trying to step in and speak for him um but I don't want that to be his story his whole life um yeah I'm thinking of all these tangents already um I guess maybe one thing um to kind of follow up with that I would say asking questions engaging um like don't be afraid I mean before I had a kid um with special needs I you know there there was that kind of like uncomfortable well I don't want to do it wrong or I don't want to make someone uncomfortable I personally don't care how you do it um my child so he's just like Hudson loves to laugh and so he's going to be quick to engage anyone I used to tell people like I would be that mom like struggling to be out in public like no sleep and he's like waving at everybody and all the people are trying to stop and talk to him. And I'm like, I got groceries. This older woman is wanting to like have this long conversation, but like he really like craves that. Um, so that's one thing I love about him. And then I have two other kids and he has brothers and um, a three-year-old and yeah. So yeah. he's part of all that. That's good. Okay, so thank you. That's great. I love it. Let's keep going. Um, so, oh, and one thing I was going to say, um, something that Natalie just mentioned, is what Chrissy said, just kind of going back to, like, the context of um, how we've been um, trained so far and equipped, is that she, I heard you say, you don't need to 
like just do something. Like remember how Chrissy said, just show up. Like she's saying, even if you don't know, kind of like I was saying at the beginning, if you don't know the exact right thing to do, do something to, to ask the question or give respite or we're going to talk about other things, but just like, it's okay. And there's grace there. And I can tell you, I can pretty much promise that y'all would agree that the effort that you make, even if, even if you forget to use people first language, it's okay. Like the fact that you made the gesture and wanted to engage. So like, don't feel like you have to, we're educating you and equipping you on this, but don't let that be a barrier. It's like to pull out your sheet and be like, okay, you know, what do I do? So just, this is to help you be educated and equipped. Um, but just also, you're not going to do it perfectly. So I heard you say like, do it, even if it means you don't necessarily know if you're doing it right. And I don't yeah. think there's any judgment there. So yeah. Okay. So the next question is, um, so how have you been included or encouraged? So included or encouraged related to your difference or your child's difference? And y'all are welcome to share times you have been included as well as times that you haven't. Because um, I know that sometimes that's part of the story, but just, um, we can just go in the same order. So Gabby, you want to start? Yeah. I'll start. So I think something that's, I guess, a little unique to my Hearing situation is I was born with, we didn't know I had hearing loss until I got to kindergarten and we did the screening test. So at the time, um, so they found out I could not hear at all in my left ear, but because my hearing in my right ear was normal, I was able to develop speech fine. Um, my mom just noticed that I had a hard time telling direction of sound. But then later on in life, I started to lose hearing in my right ear. And obviously now I don't have any hearing at all, so which is why I have the cochlear implant. So I, have, I feel a couple different perspectives like, Struggling being hard of hearing is different than struggling being deaf because with hard of hearing you can you can hear some um, Well, everyone's degree is different, but you were a hearing aid and then Just questioning what you're hearing and you're not sure and then being deaf is it's different too because it's like you Well both you rely on your eyes a lot and so each requires different accommodations and different different needs that needs to be met and um, so anyways in my hearing aid days, I just required, you know, like to sit at the front, which I mean, I still like to sit at the front um, at the class. But like now, like a sign language interpreter is incredibly helpful too to be able to see what's being said. And so um, I would say that in ways that my needs have been met, I would say like if at school, like if I needed like an assisted living, um, assisted assistant listening device, um, I could get that, and then that would help me hear the, the person that's speaking, especially like in college, like they would just wear their piece, and I'd wear my piece, and then that would amplify the sound for me, which was really helpful. Um, but then in places that aren't bound by the law, um, like a lot of times in church settings, it's more difficult because, and specifically for me, like I grew up going to church and um, I wasn't always able to get an interpreter or get closed captioning. Like that was huge for me growing up. I needed closed captioning. Like there were times where I would be at church and I could not reconcile what I was hearing with even the lyrics that were on the stage. Um, and so that was hard. So just because of all the musical instruments and trying to figure out like what instrument is this and slash, is that the voice? Like I don't even know if that's the voice. Mm. Um, and then, but then with the speaker, captioning would have been incredibly helpful because I'm not having to tune out music. But that not being available to begin with was hard. It's like I so craved like wanting to know more about what the Bible said just about anything in life and not having that access. And the same thing with an interpreter. Um, the church is not bound by law to provide that. And so oftentimes it's seen as like, oh, this is extra we're really like, no, this should be your first thing. Consider others, because they're marginalized, those that are different than you. Um, and being so sometimes focused on like, hey, I can really reach like 
the larger group of people, which yes, absolutely is important, but the marginalized of them are also largely unreached as well. Um, and so that, that has been really hard, but the Lord has also used this part of my story, um, which, you know, I, I'm so thankful. Um, and so something that I think just really just turning that over to the Lord and allowing him to work at that part of my life and not just that too. I think it's important, like, People with differences and disabilities, I think they can not only reach people like them, but people that are not like them, including people that don't have differences. And so I think oftentimes by not providing those accommodations for those people, we're missing a huge opportunity for the gospel to be spread. And so that's kind of a little longer than you were going for, Lynn. Thanks, Gabby. No, that's good. And one thing I forgot to mention, um, I'd had a little setup for the panel, and I forgot to mention it. So first of all, these are women that I believe know the Lord, are walking with the Lord, and who have been challenged in their faith and who I see thriving. So I just want to like set them on stage. And I think Gabby just um, proved that, that she's, been, she's faced challenges um, and she still has, is in the process of advocating um, for change related to some of those challenges, but also can share that she's at a place of surrender and trust. And we pray together um, roughly once a month with a group of other women who are really um, have um, disabilities and access issues in their heart here, specifically at Watermark. And so we just are, we, we, we submit it to the Lord. Like, we can, we can put out our ideas, we can um, have conversations or attempt to have conversations, but at the end of the day, like, we just really, we have to trust the Lord with even these issues because we know that he chose to make our children and ourselves differently in these cases, and so we have to trust him. So I just want to make sure that that's clear, that um, these are women that I feel like um, are in a good spot, for the most part. Y'all, might, y'all can expand on that. But okay, so let's go, we'll throw that question to Emmy. No, that's great, thank you, um, Gabby, that was great. I'll repeat the question. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so how have you been included or encouraged related to your child um, or your difference? Or in any case, if you wanna share in a way that maybe you haven't been included yeah. but you would like to. Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the things is that I love that, you know, we're coming, you know, we have been, we have been at Watermarks for like, I don't know, 16 years or something like that. And so we've been here for a really long time. And I was, you know, until we had our daughter, like pretty, or until we found out on a diagnosis, like pretty unaware of, you know, what Kaleidoscope was and the access that ministry and all of those things. Um, so it's been really sweet having served the body for years doing, you know, some of you square one moms that um, were, went through square one and I'm one of the leaders, but um you know, being able to serve is super fun and using my professional skills, my passion, and like being able to serve that is so, you know, a lo- like I really do love that so much and get so much out of that. But to having been served is like a really different swap with that. And so I think that was a very sweet blessing that um, didn't know we really needed in our life was to be able to allow people to serve us. Um, and in a way that we didn't quite understand, but people had already come before and like, put those things in place, like recess or a buddy or access to those things. Like if those weren't there, we would be streaming. <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't be here. You know, we wouldn't be here all the time. And um, so I think that's really sweet to just allow, um, to be able to see the other side of what our body does and not just being on the front line feeling like, I serve people. Like, that is so great. It's like, oh, I get to be served. Mm-hmm. And that that is a really sweet moment. So I think that feels really inclusive that people came before us to think about that out of their own passions and just like, I feel like most ministries here came out of somebody's passion. I mean, I know, like, at least for what I do, Square One came out of somebody's passion for that. And, they and their start, experience And their well. experience, mm-hmm. and they started that ministry. And so I think that... Um, 
Um, and so I think that somebody came before us, so it, it, like you get the opportunity to be able to serve. Um, I'm trying to think of other things. Can I just um, stop yeah. you? I just want yeah. to say one thing um, and let you think about the next part of that if you want to. But I want to just quickly tell you what we do in Kaleidoscope because I feel like that's, I just yeah. want to unpack that a little bit. Um, and I kind of intentionally didn't do that at the beginning so we could get into what the Bible says about this. But just let me give you a quick overview of what Kaleidoscope does so in case it's not clear. So Kaleidoscope, um, specifically on our weekend ministries on Sundays and then in other situations, we support kids in two different ways. We have what's called an inclusion ministry and that about 90% of those kids, well, about 85 kids here at Dallas um, are in what we call an inclusion ministry. And inclusion is where kids go into a typical starting blocks, kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade classroom, or they get awake um, or shoreline or whatever it is with their um, peers. And we provide a buddy. It's usually a one-to-one pairing um, someone on the kaleidoscope team that comes alongside them and just helps them, helps them jive, like helps them fit in, helps them be able to go transitions or a big deal from small group to big group. And then in big group to be able to like, hopefully sit and listen and not necessarily be on the stage or running around. Sometimes people are on the stage and running around, but we are just there to hang with them, help them. And so that's our inclusion ministry. And that looks different for every kiddo. And we also have, um, we have a student ministry as well. I mentioned the student ministry has an inclusion ministry as well for those students go and are just part of the body. We're actually training them to serve. We're really excited about that. Um, and so then we also have a classroom ministry and that's a little bit different. So inclusion is for kids that, and so um, every child here is represented in inclusion. So in, I would say 90% or more of the cases of our kids with differences, they are able to be in inclusion, which is awesome. So obviously I'm a big inclusion fanatic. I believe Jesus was an inclusion fanatic. I'm just going to put it out there. Um, I believe that he would agree. And so I think it's, and I think, and also just Suzanne um, Sanders and my director and Wes um, Butler, who are my um, director's children's and family team, we are in agreement that we want to, to strive to serve our kids in an inclusive environment. It's called the least restrictive environment is the educational setting term. It's just a best practice and proven that inclusion not only benefits the child with disabilities by being in a classroom with peers that are not intellectually disabled or aren't disabled, it gives them the opportunity to be challenged. It raises the bar for them and what they can and cannot do by being in an environment where they're challenged intellectually to just be at the same level as their peers. Um, So it also benefits the children and the adults in the classrooms because they get to be around these people with differences because guess what? If the people with differences and disabilities are in a space that is set apart, like away from you, you don't get to see God's glory manifested in them. And so it's biblical for them to be included because otherwise we're missing the whole point of what Jesus said where he's doing. So anyway, so most of our kids are in inclusion and then we also have a classroom. And the classroom is for cases where kids just really need to have a space to have what we mostly would call modified curriculum. So it tends to be a place for kids that either have very severe intellectual disabilities, like they're older a lot of times and maybe they have like a six month, 18 month, three-year-old intellectual level. Maybe they're teenagers that are still in diapers in some cases. We really want to be respectful to them and give them a space where they can learn and just be cared for physically. And so we have a classroom um, where we care for them. It's called the Kaleidoscope Classroom. And it's right below here if you ever want to check it out. We have a whole wing. Um, And then we also have um, a classroom um, situation where it's more like a special education classroom at school where it's kids that just for whatever reason just cannot hang right now in inclusion. And this is kind of a transient, like it comes in and out. Sometimes kids need to spend a season in the classroom because they're hitting others or they're biting others or they just can't keep off the stage and on the microphone when the teacher is speaking to like 200 other kids and it's just not loving. And so there's this balance and tension 
always of wanting our kids to be in inclusion, but also wanting to be respectful of them and others and having a special set apart space for them where they can be trained. We have our coach team, our special education teachers. We have all these amazing experts that the Lord has provided for our team. Won't even get into all the things that God has done to provide for our ministry, but we have that team there and the idea is to train them up the best we can. And then our goal is to hopefully get them back into that inclusive setting. So just so you know, but we do have that classroom um, for purposes um, that are appropriate. So, but anyway, so that's kind of how we serve kids. And we do that. I really consider Kaleidoscope to be like a support ministry that we're supporting all these other ministries. And we're talking about how to support young adults that want to go to the porch and things like that. Like we're not, you know, we're not doing the porch um, ministry. We're not doing or, you know, distributing the K-1 kindergarten, first grade curriculum. The teaching team is doing that, but we're just supporting the kids so they can be there, if that makes sense. So so that's just, I wanted to make sure I set that stage. So did you want to answer the second part? Was there anything you wanted to share about like not feeling included or did you just want to leave it there? Okay, good. Okay, great. Awesome. Okay, Natalie, I'll repeat the question. So um, how have you um, been included or encouraged related to your child um, or your, your disability? I feel like I can think of a lot of examples. Um, I think I would just, without being too specific initially, like like playdates, like I mentioned, like square one, um, things that, you know, initially my son wasn't walking and he would get anxious and stuff like that. So environments or people opening their homes, or maybe that meant my house was easier to do stuff like that. Um, I... This is kind of like a encourage slash maybe the the other side too. Um, so I had debated. My son loves water. It's evidently like a characteristic of Angelman syndrome, where they're just like drawn to water. So there's a lot of safety issues with that, and or playing in a toilet or dumping out drinks, you know, random stuff. But we debated doing swim lessons for him. Um, in a typical setting. So we ended up doing that and I was super nervous about it and had talked to the instructor a lot ahead of time and his brother did it with him. And then the previous year I did like a mommy and me, even though he was older, it was really complicated. Um, And then I had a scenario where I was like hiding because he gets anxious when I'm not around and then following instructions and evidently he had hit another kid, which we have some behavior stuff too. So, the mom approached me and I just felt terrible. Um, and then the teacher didn't see it and my son came out of the water screaming and crying and I was pregnant at this time. And so it turned into one of those things where like the mom said something to me and I was immediately torn like, do I explain that he has a difference? Do, you know, I haven't handled this in public yet. Um, and there were a lot of other people around too. so. You know, I apologized and tried to quickly explain and then, like, tend to my kid that's hysterical. Um, and she followed up later and, you know, was like, oh, it's all, it's all good. But it was definitely a really awkward moment and tough to navigate. And I'm just, like, literally pregnant, crouching. My kid's hysterical and I'm just, like, bawling. And I'm, like, trying to hide because I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. And this other mom just kind of s- discreetly snuck around, and she she said, "Can I pray for you?" Turns out she actually goes to Watermark, um, but she made me cry a lot, and literally the Holy Spirit like prayed over me and my son. And she said, "I just want to encourage you to come back tomorrow." 
And that was already something that I was like, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Like, this isn't the environment. I don't want him hurting kids. You know, this is something that I think about a lot because it happens in my home. Um, and so it was this huge gift. I went home and told my husband, I was like, this lady, like, da 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 And um, I did come back, and she was such a sweet face. I ended up getting to actually see her here later and, like, snuck in a hug, and she was just a gift. But um, that was like, hey, yeah, like, this thing happened, and you're not in control of it, and it's okay, and there's grace for that. So just, like, this huge reminder, like, because we all, like, as parents, like, you, you get that. Like, your kids do things you can't control, and you get embarrassed in public, or you're like, oh, this is not, you know, this isn't what we're trying to put out there as believers. So um, to just really be gracious and, like, cautious and, like, understanding on the front end um, and definitely to, like, see somebody and their kid and just try to love them however you can, like, prayer for me is a huge thing. So that was a really big moment for me on both of those ends. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. I just, I feel like I didn't give you a great, like practical things, but for, I guess just for like deaf and hard of hearing, like I know something that's really blessed me is like, if I'm at a friend's house and let's say she puts on them to be like automatically puts on closed captions, like does not even ask me if I need captions, she just puts it on like does, and it's not, and it doesn't become a thing. And then to like, if we're at a restaurant and it's loud, like trying to find like the quietest spot in the restaurant to like sit down and make sure that, you know, hey, like they're on my good side or if we're in like a group setting, just all the sound can be really overwhelming. Um, just making sure that, or just being willing to explain something that's happening down the table that I might have a hard time hearing. Just be like, hey, like what they say and not minding repeating for me like what's being said. Um, and if it's like a situation where sign language is involved, you know, just making sure there's good lighting so that like I can see the person that's signing because if I can't see them, then I'm like missing the whole thing and there's pointless. Um, and so just making sure that I can see them. And so there's like practical things or like, hey, like, your phone just went off. I think your husband's calling you. Oh, great. Okay, thanks. Like, <laughs> I hear that. Yeah. And I'll just like let me know like those things. Like I miss it or I just tune it out because it's hard to listen to everything all the time. So um, just kind of being like a second set of ears is super helpful. Or but. FaceTiming your lactation consultant. Yeah. Yes, yes. FaceTime. Yes, yes, I FaceTime her after I had my son, and I was like engorged. I was like, "Let me live my party." I was like, "I'll call you." She was like, "Can we FaceTime?" I was like, "I don't have any makeup on, but okay, we'll do it. We'll do it." Yes, just being willing to like, even yeah, FaceTime is super helpful because I need to see who I'm talking to, um, and text is great. Um, I love that. Um, this is awesome. So thanks for sharing that. So I, I, I wanted to ask this question. I didn't ask it earlier, but is anyone in here, actually, if you don't mind sharing, have a child with a disability or a difference besides the panel? Okay. So, okay. I, was, I should have asked that right off the bat, but I just kind of assumed y'all were all here for the, on the, for the benefit of others. So, but I'm so glad y'all are here because some of y'all are getting emotional. I'm like, wait, something's going on here. I know Mary Carmen, but I would love to, if y'all want to share after, I'd love to chat with y'all, but um, I'm glad y'all are here too. So, um, yes, okay, five minutes, okay. Um, so I want to, I'm not going to get to the last question because I feel like we kind of like, but the last question was just how can other, um, others best love and serve you? I feel like we've kind of covered that some, but I do want to leave a few minutes for questions and I was going to leave more, but you know, that's how it happens. But I feel like we've had some good um, content and discussion. So we'll open up uh, the floor for questions. And if you do ask a question, um, let's see. Um, Meredith, will you hand the mic around for us for anyone that asks a question? Would you be the Oprah? Thank you. 
so, and then we can just pass that mic. Okay, so does anybody have a question they would like to, so yeah, just speak into the microphone is what I was saying because it's being recorded. Thank you. Hi, I'm Katie. Hi, Katie. Um, I, one of the ladies in my community group has a son with Down syndrome who is very, very dear. He's about to turn four. And she is pregnant with her second kiddo. They've done genetic testing, and they don't see, like, any indication that he'll have Downs or other um, genetic issues. Um, and she's obviously very excited, but I think has just some nerves around it being different and not knowing what to expect and, like, excitement and fear around that. And so it's been a tough thing to know how to ask and talk about without, like, I don't want to obviously hurt feelings or anything like that, but I just, like, want to know kind of what's going on in her heart. And so I have an answer. Yeah, if you have answers, that's my question. Whenever y'all want to address that? You, I mean, you have one after yours. What was the specific question? How, how to ask questions? Just how to engage in conversation in a way that, okay. like, I want to get to the heart without, like, stepping on, you know, like, stepping into something murky with her, essentially. I think, first of all, you wanting to ask and engage is really just the biggest thing. Um, because we had a lot of fears with that and actually did testing... Um, I had another infant after anyways, but there was a lot of fear and anxiety. Um, so I, I think just asking and giving her room maybe to, to talk and to process and to pray with her um, because some fears, you know, come to reality, but also just like God's love and grace in that. Um, I don't think there's any like manual you need. I think you just coming to her in love is going to be the best thing you can do. I wanted to throw out to you that like going forward, just knowing myself with this is that there's also like, anytime you have your second, there's this idea of like your time and your love is split. And so I think that especially when your oldest has a disability and then you have another one who does not, I think there's just a lot of, I think to watch out for a lot of guilt that she's having about that and about how, should they be joyful that he's perfect and has ten fingers and ten toes and is going to be fine, or should they, or should they not do those kinds of things or whatever? So that's just one thing to think about like, moving forward as they start engaging with their new baby is that to, you know, let her have that. It, it'll, as Glenn said earlier, like it's waves of grief, you know what I mean, and like let them be okay in like the waves of grief and like to maybe ask them like, hey, was that kind of triggering for you, or you know what I mean, like. Um, I know for the longest time, birthdays were really, really hard for us. As much as I wanted to celebrate her birthday, it was super hard because then I had to call her a different age. Mm -hmm. And somehow it was easier to say, she's three, because that seemed more developmentally appropriate. But I had to, that day, call her four. You know what I mean? So that was just harder. Do we have time for one more question, Mandy? Okay, one more. Is it, um, anyone else have a question? Okay, please. Share your name if you, if you don't mind. Yeah, I'm Jess. Um, and mine's super specific to my son, but I feel like I can ask you guys and get an honest answer. So my son is two and a half, and he has cerebral palsy. Um, but it's pretty mild. And so we go to OT, we go to PT. We're, um, he's been late to hit developmental milestones, but he's hit most of them. And, I mean, it's, it's a joy. Um, but I find myself in this confusion of, I have a son who has needs, but they aren't as severe as some of the people that I meet at OT and PT with their kiddos, um, but he also isn't typical. Um, and so I feel like just confused, like engaging with them and engaging with 
moms who don't understand needs, but then, I don't know. So my question is, like, just do you have any thoughts for me? I would just love to hear yeah. what you think. Sure. With all the thoughts. I, have some. <laughs> um, I think not to downplay what y'all are going through either. I mean, yeah. I walk into a therapy room and look around, and I'm like, oh, well, we're not there, and we're not there, and we're somewhere here, you know? And so I think that comparison is, you know, is, is stealing your moments to... Um, have a moment with the mom whose child might be, you know, more profoundly, you know, um, affected than, than your child. Um, and then for you to then engage with typical moms and all the things that he's doing that are typical. Do you know what I mean? And like, because, you know, cognitively, developmentally, he may very well be exactly with his peers and needing other assistance. And so I think to try to engage with that community as much too, but then not say like, oh, I can't be in that community or I can't be in this. And I think what Lynn's, what we're talking about, it's all one big community and we should all just really be engaging, you know, com completely together. And so I totally get, and I think every mom in that room, in the therapy room, totally gets that. And they're not looking to be like, why is her kid here? It doesn't like that. that. Nobody's saying that either. You know what I mean? And we want to, we want to know. I think a therapy waiting room is like the best <laughs> place to engage with people and like have really good conversations. And invite them to church. I mean, y'all, just super sweet conversations because a lot of times you have the same time slot every week and you're sitting in the waiting room with the same people. Mm -hmm. And so it can be a really sweet way to um, kind of engage. I hope that I'll say, I'll say one more thing about that and just kind of wrap us up. So my son, like I mentioned, super high functioning. But yet, when he was two and three and being diagnosed, like we didn't know what the outcome was going to be. And so just to say, like, um, I sometimes feel almost like I don't want to take up the time. Like, and I sometimes come to our mom's support group and just be there to kind of support them. But like, I don't, I feel like I don't want to take up the margin of like, oh, my son's doing really well. But at the same time, I'm still struggling with similar things. Like, I don't know if he's going to be able to get married and like live on his own. I think he will, but you know what I mean? Like, but it's, it's, it's kind of like that perspective. It's still the challenge the Lord has given you. And one other thing I'll say just to be, to encourage you, and this is something I've seen over and over again, um, people that have maybe milder differences that they're able to kind of strive through and, and, and be successful or whatever you want to call it. And be independent, I guess is sometimes the goal. They often have this very amazing sweetheart for people that are more severely disabled. So my daughter has dyslexia. It was really hard for her to learn to read. But she just has this heart for people that have, you know, more severe, like, Down syndrome and stuff like that. And I think that's part of what the Lord is doing with the spectrum of differences is that he's creating this, you know, group of people that feel called to go and serve. So just, like, that's an exciting thing, and maybe you'll see that develop. But you're also spending time with people with different, you know, types of challenges, and you're being exposed to that, and you're understanding it, and you're growing, and you're desire to, to serve and minister um, and educate others about that. So, yeah. So I think we'll end it there. And um, yeah. did you want to say something? Well, I just hope you guys, whoa, yeah. really <laughs> encouraged today. Um, we have one minute till pickup, so oh, you'll yeah. have to hustle across Run. the sky bridge <laughs> since you guys are the furthest away. But I know that these ladies would love to continue conversations if you have them or answer any questions. But if you do have kids in training ground, maybe grab them and try to catch them after you've got gotten your kiddos. Yes, so, thank you. Okay. Yeah. So we didn't Thanks, give you all much ladies. time. Thank Appreciate y'all. Yeah, and let me just pray real quick and, and let you go. Dear God, just thank you for this time. Thank you for this conversation. Um, just thank you for just your glory, I think, being seen in so many different ways just in this short time, God. So we just thank you. We pray for the moms whose kids um, are, have differences and that they may be struggling, that you would just strengthen them, them and empower them and give them peace and help um, and respite today. Um, we just pray that you would help us to be um, your ministers of reconciliation as we go out today and just share our stories of grace with others. In Jesus' name, amen.